This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. There's always a bull market somewhere. That's what they always say. And in 2021, there are actually two going on at the same time. And both are coming out of 13-year bear markets, also running parallel. They both went into the bear at the same time during the financial crisis. So what are these two bull markets? Well, I've talked about both of them, but it's time to revisit. And their energy and the banks. Now, I just covered the oil stocks on the Zach's Market Edge podcast. So you can go over there to listen to that podcast and find out why I think oil stocks have started a new secular bull market. I'm I'm going out on a limb with the oil stocks and I'm saying that they're entering that bull after 13 years in the bear. So you can check that out, as I said, on the Market Edge podcast. But today, I want to cover the other cheap bull, which is the banks. So they aren't as hated as the oil stocks. But after basically tanking the economy in 2008, no one has much love for this sector either, even 13 years later. And so that's a sign of a bear, right? When something gets really out of favor. I talked about this with the oil stocks as well. Um, you you basically have tried maybe to invest in them over the years, and it was always a loser. Why not just buy Fang or Fangman or any kind of tech stock? You would do so much better. So most people have abandoned the financials in in whatever way you were trying to get into the financials, except with some of the fintech because that's the glamour side, you know, the squares and the PayPal's, those types of financials, and maybe with the credit card uh, giants like Visa, MasterCard. But the peer play financials, banks, even insurance um, hasn't hasn't been uh, finding much favor here in recent years. So I decided to take a look at the big financial ETF just to see kind of how bad it's been. So that's the ticker XLF as in Frank, XLF. So the shares are up pretty nicely here in 2021, near their 52-week high, up almost 30%. And over five years, I was surprised to see they're actually up 98% versus 100% for the S&P 500 and about 173% for the NASDAQ. So I was surprised, as I said, to see that it's done this well over the last five years for this big, all-encompassing ETF because the banks haven't been that great. So I took a little bit closer look because I haven't looked in a while at what the holdings are in this ETF. And Berkshire Hathaway is the largest component at 12.8%. So that may have something to do with this uh, basically outperformance (laughs) that I was not expecting to see. The second largest is JP Morgan at 11.5%. Then you have Bank of America at 7.6%. Wells Fargo at 4.6, Citigroup at 3.6. Now remember the financial ETF, this big one, includes insurance companies, which is probably why Berkshire's in there. Remember they have Geico. 
Um, and then they own a big chunk of Bank of America, too. That's one of their largest holdings. So, And they used to be about 55 percent in in banks and financials, including like American Express and insurance. So um, in their portfolio, even that's not even the individual companies that they own. So I that makes sense why Berkshire Hathaway is so big, because Buffett does love the financials. They have cut back on a lot of their bank stocks, actually, and they've gotten rid of most of them, um, including JP Morgan. And I think they're almost out completely of Wells Fargo from Berkshire's portfolio, but not quite. So this is why uh, this ETF in particular is getting such a uh, better boost over the last five years. So it has 65 holdings, but as I just mentioned, its largest one is 12% of the portfolio, Berkshire, and then JP Morgan is 11%. So that's a big chunk of the portfolio just with those two positions. It has an expense ratio of 0.12%. So that's pretty low for what this is. And that is a way you can get exposure to some of the banks. But you mostly are getting, as I just mentioned, these large cap banks. We all know what they are. Um, There's the big four now, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Citigroup. Those are the big four that survived the financial crisis. And those are easy to invest in. Everybody knows them. You know what the dividends are. You kind of know what's going on with them. They have a bigger, more diverse business model, including international, especially with Citigroup. They're big internationally and they have trading and other things that the uh, smaller banks don't necessarily have, and even the community banks have have none of. So that's why I wanted to take a look at some of the other ETFs that are more bank specific. So I took a look at the Spider S&P Regional Banking ETF, ticker KRE. This one is mostly the larger regional banks. The average weighted market cap is 11.5 billion. The mean market cap in this portfolio is 5.7 billion. That's pretty big. And this one has 133 holdings. They're mostly equal weight. So you're not getting overweighted like you are on the XLF with one or two holdings. Uh, expense ratio is higher on this one, 0.35% is is it here, but that's pretty common for these more niche type of ETFs to see it somewhere around three or so, and this one is 0.35. So year to date, this one's up 31.6% because the banks have been performing well. Five years, though, up just 62%. And this is more of what I expected to see because I knew the banks weren't performing as well as the S&P 500, which, again, is up about 100%. So pretty considerable underperformance here at, at, again, just the 62%. But that's expected in a bear market. It's always going to be underperforming in the bear until it busts out into the bull. So then I wanted to take a look at the even smaller banks, and there is a way to invest in those through ETFs, and it's through the First Trust NASDAQ Community Bank ETF, ticker QABA. I've mentioned this one before, but I haven't done one of these episodes on the banks in a while. So 
you may be new or you just don't remember the CETF because uh, its performance has not been <laughs> good. So most of you probably aren't in it and, and didn't want to be in it. But it has 191 holdings, so a lot more of these smaller type banks. But you still have to have a 200 million market cap to get into this ETF. So that's going to exclude many of the what I call like micro community banks where they maybe have 10 or 20 branches, but they are publicly traded, but they um, you know, have maybe 50 million market cap or if, if they're lucky, even 100 million. Some are even smaller, like around 20 million and they're publicly traded. So this will exclude those very small banks. And you have to have a daily volume of at least 500,000 shares, which also is a little more difficult to do. So that's what is included in this one, but it does still give you access to um, some of the regionals, but some of these smaller banks that are still like around, you know, a billion or two billion market cap that you would not get in the uh, regional banking ETF, the KRE. So this one has a higher expense ratio because it's a little more difficult to run. It's 0.6%. And I took a look at these holdings. It's the largest is just 3% and it's commerce bank shares. The second largest is 2.8% it's first citizens bank shares. And then it goes down from there and you know, down to like 1%, one and a half, blah, 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 as it goes down. So it's not equally weighted, but it's, you know, one company is not overwhelming this portfolio by any means and not even the top 10 is overwhelming it either. So keep that in mind when you are considering this, if you want some community banks. Now year to date, this, this CTO is up 26.5%. So it's underperforming the regional bank ETF, which has bigger banks in it. So the smaller banks are still been struggling here. And over the last five years, they're up, this ETF is up just 37%. So uh, again, the regional bank over five years was up 62%. So this one really underperforming versus the S&P 500 up 100% during that time period. But again, this is what happens in a bear market. Now I've tried to own the QABA in my own personal portfolio. And I think I might've had it in the value investor at one point several years ago. I think around 2016 when the banks got hot again. But uh, I no longer own it in my own portfolio or in the value investor. We sold out many years ago because we just gave up, right? With this kind of return, it's been terrible. Uh, this, that, that giving up part is a sign of the bear market you get disgusted. You're like, why am I in this? I could own uh, Fang, you know, any of the Fang stocks and be doing better. So you eventually as an investor do just jump out and go on to something else. But eventually all bear markets end. And this may be the year, maybe that the banks join in with energy in entering a new bull market. Now, there's no guarantee on either one that this is the new bull market. It could be a another fake out rally. And after the outperformance that the banks had leading up to the financial crisis, it usually takes for a, an asset class that 
has been in a bubble and after the bust, it can take decades to return back to the bullish type scenario. So I shouldn't really be surprised that it's been 13 years after what happened in 2008, 2009 with the banking industry. But uh, this scenario we're in right now is relatively bullish. So even if you just want to get into some of these banks as more of a short-term trade, we've already seen how well it's worked to start the year. And this could be setting itself up again for another mini rally here heading into the end of 2022 and maybe to start 2022. Now, how do you invest? How do you invest in the banks? So I just gave you three ETFs where you would get uh, some kind of exposure all the way from the big banks in the XLF plus insurance companies and Berkshire Hathaway. Then you can try the regional banks, which I like a lot, the big cap regional players. They should do well in a bull market. Or then the riskiest of the group are these community banks, the QABA. And what if you want to invest just in individual holdings? Well, I know that's why a lot of you do follow what Warren Buffett was doing in Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio, right? Um, I actually have a friend who did buy Bank of America when Buffett got in on that great deal during the financial crisis or just after the financial crisis and got it in pretty cheap. And he's held it all these years along with Berkshire Hathaway. But some of Berkshire's other bank bets have not turned out quite so well, like Wells Fargo, which he's owned the longest, but they now are getting out of, uh, they were only in JP Morgan, maybe like a year or two, I want to say two years, maybe they held that before exiting that position. So again, everybody knows these large cap banks. So if you, if you want to invest in individual names, you know what those are, right? There's four of them. Do your research. Uh, look at the Zach's rank, watch the earnings, listen to the conference calls, and you can dive into some of those. I also do recommend looking at the Zach's rank just to see what banks are number one, because we do have coverage on a lot of different of the banks, uh, a lot of the regionals, obviously the big regionals, and a lot of the smaller community banks do actually have analyst coverage. Sometimes it might only be one analyst, but they do have coverage. But right now, I took a look, and on the Zach's number one ranks, there's only eight banks uh, U.S. domestic. I excluded the foreign banks. There's only eight banks on there right now. So that's that's among the smaller number that I've seen in quite some time. But with those yields rising again, the earnings estimates might be likely to be pushed up a bit here by some of the analysts coming into this next earnings season possibly and if there's stronger guidance heading forward so we could see a lot more banks joining the number one rank i feel like a lot of them right now are number twos which are still buys or number threes which are holds until this next earnings season and we hear what's actually going on behind the scenes but um again some of you We'll already know what regional players you like, and I do like a lot of the big cap regional players. Those have been mentioned many times. 
Buffett has owned some of those. Buffett did own PNC Financial, which is one of my favorites. PNC is the ticker. They've sold out of that, I think, or most of it. Um, but a lot of a lot of you know what is your big regional bank in your area. So for the purposes of some stocks, I'm going to share some of my favorite smaller size banks. Some of these are, you know, still larger regional banks. They're not the ones that are 20 million <laughs> in market cap. Uh, but some of these are ones I've stumbled across over the years while I've been interested in the banks and I bought some of them in various portfolios. Two of them I do own right now in the value investor portfolio and one I own now in my own portfolio that I started buying up last year, I believe, um, or maybe earlier this year because I do think that the banks are starting to head in a bullish direction again. So what are these stocks? Let's dive right in. So the first one I've mentioned here on the podcast before, and it's still one of my favorites, West Banco, ticker WSBC. It's a West Virginia bank. It was founded in 1870. I like these banks that have been around a long time. They are in multiple states. They're in Indiana, Kentucky, Maryland, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and of course, West Virginia. They have 206 financial centers, their market cap is 2.2 billion, so fairly large, but not like a big regional. And they are pretty shareholder friendly here. In August, they announced a new stock purchase authorization of 3.2 million shares. That's in addition to another authorization that's winding down. So with those two authorizations, that's about 5.8% of the shares outstanding as of June 30th, 2021. So as a shareholder, I like that, getting rid of the shares. They also pay a dividend, and it's one of the nicer, juicier ones at the moment. The dividend is yielding 3.9%. So I'm kind of liking that. If I'm looking around for income, this one is a nice, a nice play on income. Forward P of just 9.8. And this stock has uh, struggled recently. So that's why it's so cheap and the dividend is so nice. So year to date, it's up just 14.5%. But some of that gain is recent here in September as the yields have risen again. So it's been kind of a tough year. Two years, it's down 8.6%. And five years, it's up just 4.3%. So again, you would have doubled your money in the S&P 500, and you're basically almost going nowhere in West Banco over those five years. But that's a sign of the bear market, which doesn't last forever. So that's why they have to reward us with the dividend and the share buyback, or else we would not be in it at all at this point. So that's West Banco, WSBC is the ticker there. My second favorite bank is Bank OZK, formerly known as Bank of the Ozarks. They got rid of that name in 2018, I believe. More cutting edge ticker is OZK. Now they are best known for um, being a real estate investor. So that's where a lot of their loan growth is in real estate. So if a new apartment building is going up in your city, it could be because Bank OZK loaned the money for that. Now this has a little bit more risk associated with it, especially during the pandemic as we saw everybody rush out of their big city rentals. 
but now we know everybody's rushing back in. So I'm not too concerned about that with Banco ZK. They also have been known over the last 15 years to have one of the best underwriting departments in the country, very few loan losses on their real estate investments, even with the housing bust, very few. So it's something to keep in mind. This is a little bit different focus, even though they do do normal, normal, quote unquote, normal commercial lending, you know, personal, uh, you know, uh, the checking, the savings accounts, all that stuff as well. But really real estate is what they have. So 5.6 billion market cap, so a little bit bigger than West Banco, and uh, but just as cheap, PE around 10. They have 26 billion in assets and 250 offices around the country. So again, a little bit bigger than West Banco. Dividend is yielding 2.6%. That's not too shabby, not as good as West Banco, but not shabby because Banco ZK, you're kind of buying the growth story there with the real estate. So they've never rewarded shareholders quite as um, richly on the dividend. Um, But what have those shares done? So year to date, they're up 39%. So pretty bullish there year to date. Six months, however, they're up just 4.3%. So most of the gain came right at the beginning of the year and then hasn't gone anywhere. So you're up just 4.3%. Over the last five years, you're up only 10%. So much like West Banco, which is up just 4.3%, you basically aren't going anywhere um, over the last five years, which is a sign of the bear, as I mentioned. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention the rank. It's a number two on Banco ZK, which is the buy. West Banco, also a number two, also the buy. And then my third... Um, oh, and I forgot to mention Banco ZK. Oh, no, I did mention is the one I own in my own personal portfolio and the value investor. Number three bank is United Community Banks, ticker UCBI. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on the podcast in the past, too, because I tend to like the same banks and continue to like them as long as they're doing cool things. So this one is in the southeast and is headquartered in Blairsville, Georgia but it has its main offices in Greenville, South Carolina. It's 2.8 billion market cap, so more similar in size to West Banco, but this is a Southeast specific bank and that's why I like it, because where is everyone moving to? Where are a lot of businesses relocating to? Who has the hot economy? Who's gonna be loaning out a lot in the for loan growth? Who's going to be getting a lot of deposits in as people move to the area, well, United Community Banks. So they have 162 offices in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. This is the key epicenter of hotness in the country now. Um, PE, 11.2, so a little pricier than the other two banks. Dividend yield, 2.5%, which isn't too bad. That's seemingly kind of in line with Bank OZK and um, not quite as good as West Banco, but we are kind of buying this one for the growth as well. So year to date though, it's up just 13.9%, but it's really lagged until September, 2021. I mean, basically it was down almost 10% in a correction and um, yeah, just basically not going anywhere over the last couple months, I should say, not year to date down 10. 
but trying to rebound here over the last two years, up 13.2%. That's versus the S&P 500 up 46. And five year, this one's done better over five years, up 54% versus the 100% on the S&P 500. So not quite as doom and gloom as Banco ZK and West Banco over the last five years, but still underperforming. And so most people aren't paying any attention to any of these banks. It also is a Zach's number two buy, and that's United Community Banks, ticker UCBI. So things I look for in the banks are growth, obviously, good management, uh, what, how stable is the loan losses, like what's going on with the underwriting. Uh, certain states are hot, as I just mentioned, with United Community Banks. You know, if you're a bank in Florida right now with everyone moving there, you're probably doing pretty strong growth. If you're in Texas, maybe the same. Uh, if your economy starts to really rebound and heat up in the economic reopening, then the banks should do better. So overall, loan growth should rise in the banking sector as we have the stronger economy. And yeah, it's getting hit a little bit by the Delta variant in this latest outbreak, but that too should pass and we should see stronger growth returning into 2022. And that's a good thing for the banks. Also, we've already seen the 10-year yields rising again after they rose in the spring and they should be rising on the stronger economy. So as those yields rise, it basically means higher earnings for any bank. So with rising earnings, the whole picture starts to look better for these banks and maybe not quite as doom and gloom as we've seen since the financial crisis here. They're all uh, very well capitalized. So a lot of the issues that happened in 2008 are not happening now and the fed is still overseeing uh what's going on in the sector so uh no shenanigans are developing at least not right now so i really like the banking area i also like it because i do like to get a little bit of the income and that's what most of the banks provide but not all but most and so it is an area you might want to start taking a look at. Now, again, there's no guarantee that we're coming out of the 13-year bear market. I am a little more confident on the oil stocks coming out of their bear than I am on the banks because, you know, we've been burned with these fake-out rallies so many times. And until I see those yields really creeping higher, I'm not sure I believe in this little mini rally we're having here. But as I said, the scenario for the banks looks much better going into 2022 and they're all cheap. So this is a scenario where we could, if we're not in a secular bull market yet with the banks, still see a bear market rally within that bear market where we can still uh, you know, be a six month or 12 month owner of some of these banks or these ETFs and maybe still do okay as they did at the beginning of this year in 2021. So let me recap all the stock tickers I talked about. 
so that you can go take a look, snoop around, maybe start to consider some banks again, put them on your watch list. I know many of you are already in the big cap banks, but maybe you might want to start taking a look around at some of these other smaller smaller banks that might have more upside. So I talked about the ETFs. The big financial ETF with the insurance companies is XLF is in Frank, XLF. The regional banks is KRE. If you're interested in those community banks, which have suffered the most, it's QABA. Then we had West Banco out of West Virginia, WSBC. Bank OZK, which is a play on the real estate. OZK is the ticker there. And United Community Banks. Wait, I got to look at the name to make sure I get it right. I was just remember the ticker. Yes, United Community Banks, UCBI is the ticker there. And then, of course, there's always just the big cap banks. We've talked about them before. JP Morgan, which is JPM, Bank of America, BAC, Wells Fargo, WFC, and Citigroup, which is just C. Those, you know, a lot of you are already in, but it's worth taking a look at some of those because the whole sector will benefit from these better market conditions. And as always, I aim to bring you as many value stocks as I can. Make sure you check out that Zach's Market Edge podcast here on the week of September 28th, uh, 2021, because that podcast also has some interesting cheap oil stocks in it. So go check that one out. But you can get both of these episodes if you go over to SoundCloud and put in the Zach's Market Edge. We have both the Value Investor Podcast and the Zach's Market Edge on SoundCloud. Or you can get the Value Investor or Market Edge as standalone shows on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Amazon Music, on just about any platform that's out there. But be sure you get it somewhere. And I'll see you again next time with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.